What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Hardwood Knocks. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favale and Andy Bailey, and today's topic is going to be the Houston Rockets. This is a team that won 56 games last year, finished with the number two seed in the Western Conference, and their offseason this year, you definitely wouldn't call it a bad one. I mean, they added Ty Lawson into the mix. They retained almost every one of their key pieces. But for some reason, they don't really get thrown around as one of the contenders in the West this year. So, to turn it over to you first, Andy, I'm curious, A, if you agree that they do deserve to be a contender and are flying a little bit below the radar, and, and B, if you think what's happening is more because they didn't improve by enough this offseason or if just so many teams in that half of the NBA moved past them. Well, first, I do agree. I, I actually like the Rockets a lot. I, I, think they are, um, I think they are one of those teams in the West that you could conceivably see winning the title. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. I think James Harden and Dwight Howard is a great one-two punch to go with. And then, and then at each position after that, they just have really solid role players. Um... Your second question is kind of the answer that popped into my head uh, while you were framing the question. I, I just think that because there was so much noise around teams like the Clippers and the Spurs um, and maybe even the Cavaliers to some extent, just because the Rockets kind of stood pat 
I think those other teams sort of dominated the news cycle. And so, um, you know, they're a little bit fresher in people's minds. But I still, I like I said, I think the Rockets are going to be right there. I think they're built, um, I think they're really built well to to suit the Maury ball that they've been playing the last couple of seasons. And I'm, I'm actually pretty high on them. I mean, you, you guys all hit it on the nose, but it's almost funny that we're talking about the other teams dominating the news cycle because on some level, it just feels like the Rockets might have improved more, taken a bigger leap than maybe the Clippers, who is uh, honestly their biggest splash was taking DeAndre Jordan back from the Mavericks. And he still hasn't proved that he can anchor a top-tier defense. Yeah, adding Josh Smith helps, Paul Pierce helps. But Ty Lawson is Oh, let's not forget Lance Stevenson here. <laughs> well, that's a joke, right? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. That team needed shooting, and they went the opposite way. It feels like in some regards. So I'm not big. I'm not big on them. I don't think they're going to be much better than they were last year. But just at the Rockets, you're taking a team that won 56 games, in spite of Dwight Howard missing half the season, adding an offensive fiend in Lawson, who's arguably a fringe All Star, and you're just wrapping it together. And it doesn't look like this team will have any trouble at least matching what they did last season. I'd argue that they're a lot better because. Their defense should be just as good, if not better, because Dwight's healthy and can protect the rim again. But your offense is going to look, oh, it's better. So if you're able to rank maybe in the top seven of both, we might be looking at the second seed in the Western Conference again because that's how good they just look on paper. What's weird, though, is we haven't even mentioned the Thunder yet. I mean, adding Durant and Westbrook back, fully healthy and ready to go, like they're going to be right up there, too. So. It's not out of the question that this team could finish as high as number two in the West, but at the same time, you they know, could finish sixth. Would you be so surprised? Yeah, I mean, fifth or sixth in the conference, like that's not out of the question either. It's just it's ridiculous to me that a team this talented on paper might not even have home court advantage in the playoffs. And I think that's just the nature of the Western Conference um, right now. There's there's uh, off the top of my head at least eight. Um, at least eight teams, maybe even nine, that have a legitimate shot at 50 wins. Then there's five or six that have a shot at like 55 to 60 wins. Um, so you have, it's just like last season, how the Spurs, I, I don't know, it was in the space of a couple of days, went from like the two seed to the six seed um, or wherever they finished. Um, so I think that's just sort of the nature of the beast in the Western Conference. Like you can be a really good team and still, like Adam said, not end up playing at home in the first round of the playoffs. I think to be fair, we should note that while the Rockets did win 56 games, I mean, the Spurs finished six with 55. Yeah, it's not exactly. like there's much separation, uh, really as much as we're making it out to be. What do you think it's going to take from them to make the leap over everybody else? I personally feel like the key is going to be whether or not Ty Lawson comes off the bench or starts, because I honestly don't know what the Rockets are going to do there. But the key almost seems like how will Lawson and Harden coexist together because Harden is so used to dominating the ball, Lawson's so used to dominating the ball, and where Harden proved he could play off the ball in OKC, Lawson has yet to do the same during his career. And I, you, you already kind of brought up the point I was going to make. Um, yeah, way to answer the question that you asked. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Um, but what I was going to say is Harden had uh, his last season in OKC – and, and really his whole time in OKC, he was very good playing off the ball. Um, and I don't think Houston's going to ask him to do that very much because that, that doesn't make sense. He's one of the best offensive players in the world. Um, 
So again, it's like Dan said, the question is what, what can Lawson do as an off-the-ball guy? I think just because of how good both are, they're going to have to play them both together quite a bit. Um, they can stagger it a little bit with the Beverly Harden lineups that they threw out last season. But they do have to find a way to make that combo work. Um, I think Lawson can be at least a threatening catch-and-shoot option. I don't know if he's a great one. Um, but I, I, I think that's probably going to be um, the key, just like Dan said, is figuring out how those two work together. Yeah, I think it's also worth noting that during Lawson's time in Denver, he was pretty consistently the team's leading scorer, but it was almost out of necessity. You know, he, he knew that that was the role that he had to fill, and I never really got the sense that it was necessarily the one he wanted to because he is happy being a pass-first player, but he does still need to dominate the ball in order to fill that role, and that's what worries me. So I think he has the mentality to, to fit in on this team, but I'm not sure he has the skill set to really make the most of that quite yet, and it's going to take some adjusting. You know, it's, I'm just stepping back to Bailey's point where he's talking about how the Rockets aren't going to take James Harden off the ball much. That might be the only way, I don't want to use the word salvage, but to help make this partnership thrive. Because again, Harden did that in OKC. And Lawson, like you said, is a pass for his point guard. So even if you want to play up his unselfishness, like he's going to need to be on the ball to make those plays. And yes, he was the leading scorer out of necessity in Denver, but he still needed to be on the ball to create for his teammates to rank in the top five of assist percentage. There's also little evidence to show that he can be a majority spot-up shooter. You know, we typically associate those catch-and-shoot guys with three-point shooters. And Lawson, while he's shooting 36.9% from deep for his career, hasn't actually hit that mark since he was a sophomore. And he hit under 35% or at least under 36% of his catch-and-shoot bombs last year. So that's not very encouraging. I think you need to put him on the ball. You'll have to find a way to strike that balance. But I think because Harden is a better catch-and-shoot scorer, that you're going to need to put Lawson on the ball just to help at least streamline this new partnership. What did you say? What was Lawson's catch-and-shoot three-point percentage? Um, last season it was – hold on, I moved right off the thing. It was 34.5%, and you know, only 2.1% of his total shots came as catch-and-shoot threes. So that's a really small sample size. Yeah. And you know, just to further that a little bit, Harden – even last year when he was so dominant on the ball, and granted only 7.2% of his possessions came in these spot-up situations, but he was in the 92nd percentile there. I mean, he was ridiculously good in that scenario, which may be the effect of a smaller sample, but I mean, we know he has the skill set to maintain that if he's used more frequently as such. As a catch-and-shoot guy, is that what you, Sorry. No, go ahead. You, you were talking about Harden as a catch-and-shoot guy, Adam? Yeah, specifically spot up shots on Sport View. Okay. Yeah, I was just looking at his catch and shoot numbers um on NBA.com and they're really good. Obviously, I think I think maybe he and you guys are kind of talking into this as we go through it. He might be the one who's more likely and more able to adjust um to the partnership. I still think that you're maybe down the stretch or like when the shot clock's running down in individual possessions, he's going to be the guy that has to command um, the ball in those situations. Um, but I think he's obviously shown with his time in OKC that, that he can play off the ball as well. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. really want to see them stagger. You know, I, w- I want to see Lawson on the court as much as possible and Harden isn't there because he can thrive as the leader of an offense. And Patrick Beverly, who we haven't mentioned yet, is a really good fit next to Harden when he's healthy. 
you know, he brings that defense to the backcourt that they need, and he's developing into another good spot-up shooter who doesn't need the ball at all in order to play his game. So if he needs to start and Lawson needs to come off the bench, as long as Lawson's willing to do that, I think that can work really nicely. That, that also is probably the best option for the Rockets overall because, let's not forget, their offense wasn't great last year. I think it was 12th in efficiency, which is fine, but you, know, you want to aim for that top 10 spot. And they were there when Harden's on the floor, but it's when he's off the floor that was the issue because they don't have enough playmaking. So staggering his minutes with Lawson helps right there, and it'll allow them both to dominate the ball more. But it's circling back to what Andy initially said, and that's they're going to have to play together because the Rockets are a team that like to put their best talent on the floor at the same time. So they're going to have to make it work. I think it helps, though, that we've seen some not-so-great shooters perform a little bit better in Houston's three-ball-heavy system, a la Josh Smith in the playoffs last year. And Lawson has been at least good enough to where you could believe, hey, maybe he'll develop into a nice spot-up shooter. And they have two years to do it. It's just a matter of getting him to buy in to this long-term vision that the Rockets have. I just I want to make one more point um, to Adam's point that's kind of the opposite of what I originally said. But like I said, you guys are turning me around on this. Um, the Rockets' offensive rating last season when Harden was on the court was 107.7. And when he was off, it was 93.7. Um, that's like that's a massive shift. I don't think there's many individual players that are close to that, that big of a shift. You could almost say it's an MVP caliber one. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and I was beating that drum a lot last season. But I think that's, I mean, that's a great piece of evidence right there that would point to um, you need somebody who can maybe carry the offense when Harden uh, isn't on the floor and, and maybe Lawson's that guy. Anyway, I, I think I kind of stepped on what was the question that Dan asked. Well, I guess we all have the same. What was the biggest hurdle they're going to need to clear to make that leap among? Because we're talking, even if we really try and get to the bare minimum of contenders in the West, we're still talking about six teams. Yeah, for so, sure. You can't knock any of them out. <laughs> yeah. So what are you? What do we think that they need to overcome to sort of make that leap? That The, the uh, Harden-Lawson pairing is definitely one, but I'll turn it over to Fro. What do you see as the next biggest hurdle? For me, I think just some of the young guys are going to have to make that proverbial leap. And fortunately, they have a lot of options. I mean, we've got Sam Decker coming in as a rookie. Love he's, him. He's versatile. He fits what, what Hinky and Mikhail want to do pretty nicely. Behind him, or maybe even ahead of him, is KJ McDaniels, who is now going to have that offseason to actually fit in with the team instead of being thrust onto the bench and out of the rotation midseason. And, and even there's even more. I mean, Terrence Jones is young. Donatas Matiunas is young. Montrez Harrell could be good if he's not in the D League. And Jason we saw, Perry isn't even forty yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't argue with that. And I mean, the biggest one of all might be Clint Capella. I mean, we he looked great during the playoffs when he got minutes, and that's a valuable insurance policy behind Dwight, who can keep him healthy throughout the season because that's been such a struggle for him throughout it throughout the last couple of years of his career. I would, I would say health, uh, and just kind of piggybacking on what Adam finished with there. Um, last season, Terrence Jones only played 33 games. Um, how many games did Dwight Howard play? Give me one sec. Like 12? 41, Sorry, for, Dwight. 41 missed, for Dwight. If, if I could interject in my favorite stat, he missed more games last season than his entire career combined up until that point. Oh, wow. That's pretty yeah. surprising. I feel like he was injured... In 2011, 2012, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
and I, I like Terrence Jones a lot. I love the energy he plays with. Um, he, he proved to be like a pretty decent three-point threat too last season, um, at least to the point where defenses have to pay attention to him. On the three-point line, he really attacks the boards. Um, and obviously, I don't think we need to say too much about Dwight. When he's healthy, he's still one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. So I think if those two can stay healthy, they have a really formidable front court, and I think they're definitely one of the, the contenders. I actually do want to say a little bit more about Dwight, though, because I'm curious if you guys feel the same way I do, and that's that he's actually become a little bit underrated. You know, all these, all these injuries and the, the off-season drama that we've had to suffer through when he's a free agent or wants to be traded and all that, it's, I think it's overshadowed just how good he is when he's on the court. You know, his post moves aren't pretty. They work. He hasn't gotten that much better. They still work. He's a great defender when he's on the floor. You know, there's so much to like about his game, but it's so easy to focus on all the negative aspects that I don't think he's getting nearly enough credit because he still is arguably the best center in the game. Um, I'm going to call hyperbole on that last statement. I don't think he's anywhere close to the best center of the game. I would probably put him in the top five, so maybe somewhere close. My issue with him— Well, and I to, do, to clarify, I don't think he is. I think he can be on, every, on, on any given night. You know, Cousins would probably earn the designation for me. Davis, if you want to call him a true center, but I think— Marcus Yeah, I mean, I think that, that Howard, when he's healthy, on any one night, he can play like that. My issue with him, and I, I'll, I'll agree with you to the extent that he can be underrated at times because his defensive impact— is almost just like washed under the table now. We don't even talk about it, and he's phenomenal still. My issue with him is on the offensive end. It's not even that he doesn't pass enough, because I think he actually does a better job passing out of double teams. He's just not getting assists. He has like those hockey assists, or he's the guy that allows the play to happen. He still falls in love with his post moves. They're not pretty. They don't work a, a ton. You're a pick-and-roll guy, and he doesn't seem to want to be put into that niche. And I, I've had a problem with that since he was in Orlando like he doesn't want to be known as this pick and roll center you know what you're a pick and roll center who needs to anchor a top tier defense and I guess almost to this point is we're going to talk about him turning 30 soon and now we're going to talk about Donatus Matajunas and Terrence Jones each guy each guy spent some time at center they're both going to hit restricted free agency next year most likely assuming they don't get an extension they're not carrying all three of these guys and with Dwight Howard's free agency coming up, you have to wonder, do they get rid of Jones or Mota Yunus for someone cheaper just because they're going to cost a ton in the long run? Are we, are we dead set on the Rockets moving forward with Dwight beyond this season, assuming he hits free agency? I think that's an interesting little subplot of the Rockets this season. So are you thinking they might try to move one of those guys this season? You're not going to move Dwight. but No, if, I'm, if I'm talking about Jones and Mota Yunus. Yeah, if you're planning on keeping Dwight Howard long-term, and I think you're going to have to move Moda Eunice or um, Terrence Jones at some point next season. I know even it might have to be for a similar caliber player, but you have to look at the fact that with this cap boon, those guys are going to be making $10 million easy apiece probably in their next contracts. And Zach Lowe floated the idea today that maybe the Rockets use one of them as bait later on in December when they have the other contract fodder to get Markeith Morris, just because he's cheaper. I don't necessarily like the fit a lot, but I think you have to consider that, hey, those two guys are going to cost a ton. You already have Dwight. We can't carry these three guys long-term, especially with Capella, who I think is a very good rim protector there as well. So I would, uh, um, I would assume he, and I, I, I read the Lowe article, he, he was based, 
the the point of getting Markeith Morris on the Rockets is that he's already under contract, right? Under the For, old salary cap. Yeah, he'll never make more than like eight point five million. Yeah, like so I I understand that. Um, but I actually, it's funny you brought Markeith up. I, I I was in like one of my usual Twitter wars um, a few <laughs> days ago with a bunch of people about um, Markeith Morris and Terrence Jones. And I think if Terrence Jones is healthy, he's. I think Markeith Morris is a slight downgrade, which, like you said, maybe it's just because you still do that because he's cheaper and he's cost-controlled for a while. Um, but I think if they if they want to like if they want to go all in for a title this season, I don't have a problem with them standing pat with what they have because I like the versatility of Jones, Modi Yunus, and Howard. I actually think Modi Yunus might be the best offensive post player they have. Um, plus he's a pretty good three point shooter. I think a lot of, all three of them do things a little bit different things so you can mix and match them. Um, and I, I really like that three man rotation. And then you throw Capella in the mix. I don't, I don't know if he can give you more than like 15, maybe 20 minutes a game, but I, I, I really like the way their front court is, is structured as is. I think this is a bit of a cop out answer, but I don't think that they need to know what they want to do quite yet. Because there's so much going on at the top of the West, and we we don't know how it's going to play out. You know, we we say there are six contenders. There could be more. There could be fewer. And until until they see what everyone else is doing, they know what they have on this team, and they know that it's going to be highly competitive. So I think that they have some time to really evaluate it, and it'll go beyond December when they can first trade everything. So. I'm, I'm not sure there's any rush to figure that out, even though free agency is looming a year away. I think, yeah, I would agree with that. And I, um, they did the same thing last season where they kind of saw where their team was and they actually made a lot of changes in season. Corey Brewer was last season too, right? I know Josh yep. Smith was. Yep. Um, so you, obviously Daryl Moore, he is, is more than willing to deal if he feels like he needs to deal. So I, I'm not ruling out what Dan said. Um, but just as is, that's I, I'm fine with them rolling with what they have at the moment. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying there's a rush on it. I was just saying that yeah, seems to be an sure. interesting subplot because especially they seem to really like Sam Decker and like maybe he could be they that should. Next, that maybe he could be that next Chandler Parsons type guy. And then you also have who somehow we haven't mentioned to this point, Trevor Ariza. And if you want to keep that small ball rotation really going, I don't think that. Jones hasn't really shown enough to show that he can be a stretch for. Donatus Montaunas is kind of there, but but not really. Clint Capella and Dwight Howard aren't stepping outside. So I don't think you really have room for all those guys long-term unless you see Jones or Montaunas, or rather both of them, as those guys who can be stretch for. So it's just an interesting subplot to me. I don't think it's a decision they'll make necessarily before the February deadline, but it's something to monitor because while you want to compete this season, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're as good as the Warriors or the Spurs, and I might even put the Thunder in front of them at this point. So I think that's something you have to at least keep in the back of your mind, not just and wait till February, but just right from the get-go and just see where you're going. Okay, so, so how far do they have to fall before you guys want to start making some moves? Like if they're on pace to finish, let's say, sixth in the conference, you know, they're still going to win a lot of games, but they're going to have to go on the road and go through this ridiculous gauntlet in the West to get through the playoffs. I mean, if, if they're on track to do that, are you making moves? Do they need to be out of the playoffs? I'm making moves if I'm not in the top three. 
come trade deadline. I mean, that's where you need to be in the West. I know they could still get home court advantage some other way, but just looking at the these other teams, the Spurs, the Warriors, if you're not better than the Thunder and you're not better than the Grizzlies, you're not better than the Clippers, you don't have to start over, but it's time to regroup because this landscape isn't changing. And God forbid, well, that's probably the wrong term, but what if Anthony Davis just goes bat crap crazy and the Pelicans are somehow in that mix for the top five and are somehow better than the Rockets as well? If I'm not in the top three, I'm Daryl Morey, come at or close to the trade deadline. I'm not blowing things up, but I'm making some substantial moves. I think a lot of it depends on, too, just what becomes available, obviously. And last the, the example last season was obviously Josh Smith, um, who was, I think the, the Pistons used the stretch provision on him, but whatever they did, they released him. And so all of a yep. sudden, there's a really solid player just available. Um, and, and the same thing can happen on the trade market. Somebody that you like suddenly becomes available. So that would certainly spur them to make a move just based on you know what comes out. Um, I kind of want to shift gears though, because I've picked up from you guys a couple times. It sounds like both of you are pretty high on Sam Decker. Um, first, let me just kind of say wh- why I'm skeptical on Sam Decker, and then I kind of want to hear why you guys are high on him. Um, I like Decker a lot as a as a college player, and one thing that scares me is his shooting. Um, the percentages in college weren't great, and I think what scares me is, um. Really good shooters are guys who their mechanics and their release, they look the exact same every time. The arm is almost robotic as it comes to a square and, and, and launches the ball up. Decker's floats, his, his, his elbow floats in and out, his release is at different spots, and I think these are all fixable things. Um, but as an NBA you know, wing, especially in the Rockets system, I think he's got to become a... a, a a solid or at least a competent shooter. Go ahead, Dan. I think what's going to help him at the NBA level is that he's going to be forced into a more limited role with the Rockets to where he's just going to be that catch-and-shoot guy, and it'll be easier to replicate his motion when he's used to taking those shots. He did some other things at Wisconsin. And, yeah, his shooting kind of plummeted after his rookie season, but he went up a little bit um, from sophomore to junior, and I don't. he's not going to be asked to do as much with the Rockets. So, again, I think that'll just help him that's what he'll be able to focus on. You need him to either move the ball or shoot. You don't need him to put it on the floor uh, to, to even function as like a, a point forward or, or anything along those lines. So I, I just think turning him into the specialist will help him become a better shooter because it's what the Rockets, in a sense, did with Chandler Parsons. Building on what Dan said, um, at Wisconsin, Decker was asked to be a star. You know, He needed to create his own shots, and he was pretty proficient at doing so. But when he was a spot-up shooter, his motion was a lot more consistent. And that's really promising to me on a team where he's not going to have the ball in his hands unless he's spotting up on, on one of the wings and asked to shoot. So that's one reason that I like him a lot in this system. And the other is just that I mean, we, we keep mentioning Parsons, and it's, it's hard not to because he's another one of those college standouts who's good at everything, great at nothing, and bad at nothing. And... When you're asked to, when you have that as a building block, and you're able to to hone a couple of those skills and and make those change from good to great, then that's when you can make a leap like the one Parsons made. So, just having that same foundation and having a more consistent stroke in the, in the situation that the Rockets are going to put him in quite often is is one reason I'm so high on him. Now, what do we think 
I guess sort of shifting gears again, but looking at the big picture, what do we think the ceiling is for this team? You know, we've kind of bounced around where they could finish seed-wise, but how many wins do you guys think we're looking at um, next year for the Rockets? And I'll turn it over to Bales first. Uh, ceiling, I would say, I'm going to say 58. I think if Harden, um, I think if Harden repeats as sort of a legitimate MVP candidate, and if he meshes with Ty Lawson, and if Dwight Howard stays healthy, um, I think they are, I think they're a very legitimate title contender. Uh, my realistic prediction would probably be like 54, because I think there is a ton of talent in the West, and beating. Western Conference teams on any given night is going to be really hard. What are you thinking, Adam? They won 56 games last year, and they did that with an injured Dwight, with a bunch of other injured pieces in the front court. And granted, there were some weird circumstances with other teams like the Thunder, but they still won 56 games. So if you throw health into the equation, you're adding Ty Lawson, who's a fringe all-star, into the mix, then I think that they can top 60. More realistically, I'm going to say 55 and finishing around fifth or sixth in the conference. I think I think they're just going to get 56 again. 55, 56 is fine. I think it's going to be right there. Uh, Dwight's going to come back, which will help them defensively, but when he's on the floor, you're not going to be able to do a lot of the things offensively that you were doing when Josh Smith was playing center or Terrence Jones was playing center. That, that'll really hurt their pace and the flow of the offense, I think. And you have to look at it. Oklahoma City is probably going to win, assuming health, 10 more games than they did last year. So that's going to just affect the win distribution throughout the West. So I think 56 is a good mark for them. I don't think they're going to top it. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished below. But 55-56 seems like their sweet spot. But with that win prediction in the books, it is time for us to move on to... Yes, that's right. It is Burns My Bacon time, and today it is my turn to go off and rant about something that's annoying me. We sort of touched upon this topic before of Markeith Morris's not-so-subtle problems with the Phoenix Suns. He wants a trade. They apparently don't want to trade him, and the root of these issues is are the fact that they traded his brother, Marcus, to the Detroit Pistons, which I don't understand. The NBA is a business you guys were bound to get split up at some point, so I don't totally get where he's coming from. I think in his mind, he's talk, he's thinking that, hey, we took discounts so that we could play together. That's great. No one necessarily told you to do that. I don't necessarily think those deals were discounts anyway. Like, Just come and play ball, and you can't get into these public spats with teams. You're saying my future's not in Phoenix? Well, hey, you have absolutely no leverage because you're under contract for the next four years. The one thing... That I also will say, what the hell is going on with the Suns? They've really just burnt bridges with Isaiah Thomas and Goran Dragic already, and then Marcus Morris, and now Markeith Morris. What is going on there? I think they need to open up the line of communications more. But this whole thing is just pointless, because Markeith is supposed to be a big part of their future. He's on Twitter saying these things. The Suns are saying we they want to keep him. It's a bad look for everybody involved. I think it's time the Suns get their house in order, and, and this is sort of something that we saw brewing as early as last season around the trade deadline. So that's what's really just getting at me at the moment right now. Understandably so. Um, that is really weird about the Suns. They went from, Random. what was it, two seasons ago where they were tanking and like randomly had a playoff run to this, like back-to-back seasons of just turmoil. 
Um, kind of crazy. I guess <laughs> uh, you never know what will happen in the NBA. Um, if you want to talk to any of us about the Houston Rockets, or if you want to uh, talk to Dan about Markeith Morris, um, you can reach all of us on Twitter. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Uh, Adam is at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-0-9. Dan is at Dan Favale, uh, F-A-V-A-L-E. And then all three of us are at Hardwood Knox. Um, anyway, like I said, you can get in touch with us there. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes, give us, give us five stars, um, subscribe, and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Shout out Bina Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.